Hi, everybody, and welcome to Woven in Truth Podcast. We're so happy you're joining us today. Um, we have a really special guest on the show. My friend Claire Leong is with us. Hey. Thanks for being here, Claire. I'm so excited. Well, we're thrilled to have you. So um, one of my favorite things is that you are like one of my crafty soul sisters. Mm-hmm. So yep. tell me, and I know I saw on Facebook even that you have <laughs> a crochet like club kind of thing. Yeah. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, it's interesting. I just got introduced to the fact that crochet people actually connect with each other. Like it's such a solitary thing. <laughs> um, but there isn't really anybody in my neighborhood. So I'm like, well, the library offers free meetup spaces. So I'm starting to book it once a month. And I had five people join me from some random Facebook group that I'm in. And I love it. Yeah. What we, do people make? Like, do you guys make like those like little we critters? All, we all had our like work in progress. So we had oh, a pillow. Okay. I had a blanket. Someone was working on a sweater. One lady came and was trying to finish up a purse and ended up getting another lady to help her crochet it. That's it was amazing. awesome. But I was able to finish up a project I'd been working on for five years. Oh, my goodness. It was like this huge blanket. I entered it into the county fair. <gasps> so here's hoping I get a blue ribbon for that. That's amazing. Tap back into my Midwestern roots. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I feel like I could make a really good, like, coaster. <laughs> Man, once you start, it just, for me, it's like, it keeps my brain involved and it keeps my hands busy and it's... It's good. It's totally. a great hobby. I love that. I need to relearn. I feel like I've learned to crochet like multiple times, but every time it's not like riding a bike. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I have to kind of relearn. So I'm yeah. coming to the club. Awesome. So sign me up. Yes. Um, but thank you for being here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your topic is for today? Yes. Um, I want to talk about God's expectation that we walk in the light, not okay. that we're perfect. Just okay. sort of the nuance between being open and vulnerable and all the benefits that come from doing that oh man this topic it's it's so good but it's also so challenging for me like I I I knew you were going to talk about that vulnerability a little bit and I had to pray through that a lot (laughs) um because I think it's wonderful you know uh but it's also something that I feel like it's it's a big thing that God's put on my heart like to focus on to be intentional about so I personally am very excited it's what you're talking about. Why is this something that you're passionate about and want to share with other women? You know, it's funny. I was trying to figure out what I'm passionate about, and it's not my go-to characteristic. I'm a generalist. I like a lot of things and a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So I had to Mm -hmm. think about, like, what the hardest time of my life was recently and what led me there. Yeah. So I kind of bottomed out. Um, I wouldn't even say spiritually, but I'd say emotionally, like, I don't know, six months ago or so. Uh And I realized a lot of it was due to a lack of vulnerability, just not being known and feeling that pressure of, like, trying to keep, like, really hard things inside and not being able to talk about them. Right. Right. That's so so tough, but I'm so glad that you're kind of, as you're journeying through that, that you're willing to share that with a lot of others because I think we can all relate to that. Um, If not now, we will or have been there. Um, So I'm excited to hear more. So please jump into your lesson. Awesome. Um, So one of my all-time favorite scriptures comes from 1 John chapter 1, um, verse 5 through 9. And I'm just going to read that to sort of set us off. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So this idea of walking in the light 
brings the benefit of fellowship with one another and purification of our sins. Like it's kind of a two, there's like some major benefits to that. And um, from a very young age, I came out as a perfectionist. I was a good student. I always was the good kid with major quotes around that, Mm -hmm. meaning I hid all the bad stuff that I did. Um, But there, even as I became a Christian, it was really hard for me to admit when I sinned. Like Mm -hmm. it just is not an easy it's probably not an easy thing for anybody, but I had this huge block between this fear that I would be in trouble, that I would get punished, that people wouldn't like me. And it kept me in the dark, even as a Christian. Um, I, I had a hard time being honest about things, even in the moment, like after the fact, confession of sin is so much easier than when you're really in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big struggle for years for me. Um, I, my mom's Catholic, (laughs) so I wonder if it was a bit of the Catholic guilt, if Mm -hmm. there's some other things going on there. Um, but just, just wrestling through that, I had to learn as a teen, I, uh, I had these quasi boyfriends. That's what I called them. These Mm -hmm. guys that didn't go to our church that I, developed a stronger emotional relationship with and um, wouldn't talk about it until I the guilt finally got to me. I'm like, okay, this isn't right. I stopped it. Maybe a month later, I'd tell somebody. Right. So there was this guy. I just wanted to be honest about it just to clear the air, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, but it, it kept happening. Um, but I also found that God was working on me through these times of vulnerability and honesty about what was going on. Um, the time between having the relationship and ending the relationship and being honest about it got shorter. Uh-huh. And finally, when I was open about it in the middle of it, yeah. I was still like connected to this person. I never did it again. I ended mm-hmm. it and I, I never struggled with it again. And I have to go back to that experience a lot to remind me that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> that as hard as it is to admit that I'm doing something wrong, to admit that I'm not pleasing God, to admit that what I'm doing is sin. Um, it's a part of the repentance process. Right. Um, the Bible says in James five sixteen. so then confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. Mm-hmm. Like we have to confess to get the healing. Right. We have to walk in the light. We have to be open about all of that. Um, and then I got married and my husband is amazing and being honest and open and vulnerable in a marriage is essential and really hard. (laughs) Um, My parents got divorced when I was seven. And so I think that taught me there is a point where you will no longer be in love. Like there is an end. There was like a line that formed. And I was so afraid with my husband that I was going to mess up to the point that I'd cross the line and that he would leave. Mm-hmm. And it took years of him reminding me, I love you. I'm not going anywhere yeah. for me to like get it. That, right. Okay. He loves me. He's not going anywhere. And I think in the same regard, it was hard for me to think of God that way. Yeah. Like, I still think that there might be a line. Like there is a point where, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I appreciate even in the, um, the sermon we had last week that it's not so much that there's a point that God no longer loves us, but there's a point that maybe we will choose to no longer love God, mm-hmm. that we might make that line. Mm-hmm. But that's on us to control. And I so appreciate that. Um, because even with that line, thinking that there is a point that I'm going to mess up so bad it makes it really hard to be honest. Right. And I'm finding that like, like first John says that if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and not walking in the light. We're so separated. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I started getting into the pattern of talking about really hard things. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We, we always talked about the challenges we were having on the little bitty level and the really big level. And I, I came to this conviction of if there is something that I don't want to tell him, I have to say something. Right. It's the thing I need to talk about. Right. 
And we all have that feeling, right? Like, you know, oh, if only if anybody knew this about me, they wouldn't love me anymore. That's the stuff that we have to get out. Um, I love Psalm 32. I've been reading this one since I was a teen, but it talks about being kept silent. My bones are wasting away like this, not talking about stuff. It crushes us. And then finally being acknowledging our sins to God and to others. He forgives the guilt of our sin. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're free from that. Right. Um, and so in practice with my husband, it was one of those things that, okay, I don't want to talk about this. And I'll, I'll lead with that. I really don't want to tell you this. I'm really afraid of what you're going to say. Right. And I've taught my kids to do that with me because they get freaked out that mommy's going to get really angry. So right. I really don't want to say this, but I have to say this. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. And then it gives me a moment to take a breath. And then I love to hear their hearts. Mm-hmm. And he always loved to know what was going on. It brought us together. It was so painful in the end was like so much better connection between us. Right. Yeah. So then I had children carrying on my little story here. Um, So when I became a mom, you're sort of thrown into this world surrounded by um, insecurity Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of gray area, right? Like it's really hard to know what the right thing is for your kid. Everyone's really unique and individual. And even within the church, there's parenting differences in how we approach everything, right? Um, But then I think with all that insecurity comes a lot of judgment or a fear of judgment, right? Right, Like Like perceived judgment. Yes, right? right? You think that everyone's going to be... I'm going to, I'm going to make this, this choice to let my kid cry it out or let my kid sleep in my bed. And I know someone's going to have an opinion about it somewhere. And so I, I realized way after the fact, I, it started getting to me. Like I didn't want to start talking about it because I really wasn't prepared to handle the reaction. I was too tired. <laughs> I was sleep deprived and not stable enough to be able to take what everyone had to say to me about this. And then you're on Facebook and social media and all of these memes, some of them are funny and some of them are like, I don't know. They just make me feel really anxious about, gosh, I'm totally ruining my child for the rest of their life. Right. Um, And I I don't know if that's what caused it, but God made our bodies so beautifully complicated. But after my second child was born, the first one brought all sorts of fear and anxiety. And the second one brought all sorts of anger. And I had these huge emotions and it took two years to go to a doctor and finally talk to somebody about the things that I was struggling with. And I was diagnosed with postpartum depression, which hearing that it felt right. And I mean, I was crying through this entire doctor's appointment. I've never cried in a doctor's office. Um, But finally being able to talk about the things I was struggling with was really hard and so freeing at the same time. But then I felt like I was broken in a way that no one would understand. Mm -hmm. And that didn't really help anything. So I didn't know how to talk to other people at church about it. Like I'm getting put on a medication to help me deal with these huge emotional things that are out of my control. Right. I don't think we're supposed to do that as a Christian is the dirty voice in my head talking to me. Like Satan Mm -hmm. totally got in there and was, you know, just trying to, yeah, something's really wrong with you. Like Mm -hmm. as a human, you are broken. You are messed Mm -hmm. up. You are you are not enough. You are not worthy enough for being a part of God's church or, you know, having the family that you have, like how terrible, like it just, all of those terrible thoughts got in there. Um, and that kind of compounded and it was, it was so hard. It was, it's such a period of darkness where you can't really see where you're going. You're not in the light. Like you're not even, I don't know, even with myself admitting that, you know, I love my children and I also don't love being a mom a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Like that seems like a hard a hard truth even to recognize for myself. Right. So whereas before I started being nervous about telling other people about the things that were going on, 
life shifted into a place where I had a really hard time admitting to myself what was happening in my heart. Right. Like, this is me. This is who I am. Because I think in admitting that, I, I felt like it made me less worthy when really it's the exact opposite. Like, I'm still worthy of God's love, even if I'm dealing with all of this junk in my life, right? Definitely. So um, a lot of this I'm carrying through my little history here. Um, it was interesting because I wasn't even in touch with this so much. I ran into um, the Brene Brown TED Talk. Have you guys heard this? Oh, yes. oh my gosh. Oh, She's yes. amazing. She is my new like hero in so many ways. And her TED Talk made me cry. I'm at work on my lunch break with headphones sobbing at my desk. <laughs> and my coworkers texted me like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm I like fine. that they didn't talk to you. They texted no, you. No, absolutely. Like, <laughs> hey, can we approach you right, right? now? <laughs> nope. Not safe. She's got tears. Someone dropped the Kleenex box and kept walking. Oh, like it was really so subtle. Cute. It was so cute. Um, and then I started reading her book and I only got through the first chapter and it just, it was in a good way crushed my heart. Like mm-hmm. it was just like, oh my gosh, these are words of stuff to stuff that I've been feeling for so exactly. long. It's exactly. so great. So anyway, Daring Greatly, her TED Talk, she has a Netflix series. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan. Anyway, all things Brene is awesome. Um, so she really kind of gave me a new language of understanding where I was at. And then and then sort of the final blow came. I actually was diagnosed with cancer last year. Wow. And it was thyroid cancer, which for people who may not know, thyroid cancer is very treatable, very survivable. It's not like a traditional cancer. So telling people I have cancer gets this huge reaction because they picture the movies or they picture the friends that right. they know. They people they picture people dying or losing their hair. And I had none of that. That wasn't my experience. I wasn't even wrestling with life. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, oh, what am I going to do if I go, you know, if I die today kind of a thing. Um, I did have to go through a surgery. I was out of work for a month. It was a really nice month, honestly. It was yeah. like the best vacation. People fed me. I wasn't expected to clean. I had three days in the hospital where I just stared out and I stared at the trees. Like, I don't function on that level. I'm very busy and right, active. And right, so having same. time to, like, do nothing for three like days. Like, forced nothing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was the best thing. Except then, I know, this is so so terrible. Um, so then, like, a month and a half later, the final treatment for thyroid cancer is radioactive iodine. So thyroid cells are amazing. They are the only parts of your body that absorb iodine. Okay. So they can lace the iodine with radioactivity. So it's really targeted chemo. Wow. Like, I'm not having to do my whole body in hopes that we catch it. It's only getting the cells. So I had no side effects. It was, Mm -hmm. like, not a thing. But the experience of going through that, oh, my gosh. So I had two weeks of a special diet where I had to make all my own food because I couldn't have iodine. And I didn't know if the salt people prepared their food with had iodine in it. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't trust it. So I had to make every single one of my meals. There were really specific things I had to avoid. It was a huge burden on my time. It was not cheap. Mm-hmm. And it was not convenient in any way. And it wasn't even healthy. Like, mm-hmm. I could make myself a chocolate cake with all the right ingredients and eat mm-hmm. the entire thing. Like, so it's like the anti-diet. It was pretty, it was so bad. But then have you ever been, like, in a social environment where you're not allowed to eat the things they are? Like, you're oh. fasting or you're, like, on a specialty diet and everybody right. is, like, how how alone, right? I like, I felt so alone. We had our church international day potluck that day Mm -hmm. and there are food stations from around the world and all I could have was a little plate of mango like Mm -hmm. fresh mango that I helped cut because I knew what had happened to it I left early I had never felt so separate from everybody Mm -hmm. I'm going through this process I'm dealing with cancer that 
they wouldn't understand because either they haven't had it or they'll think that it's the bad kind of cancer. I'm having to eat food that no one else in my family wants to eat and that nobody else is enjoying. And I have like, I just, it really got to me. And then to top it off at the end of the day, I took a radioactive iodine pill. So then I'm radioactive and I literally had to be isolated from people for four days because I didn't want to contaminate anybody. So then you're like literally isolated. Completely alone. All I had was my laptop where, oh yeah, you can FaceTime or you have social media. Oh my gosh. Social media is like the biggest deceiver of connection. I think I have a thousand friends. I must be known by people, but Mm -hmm. that's not what it is. It's everybody putting on the best version of their lives, Mm -hmm. this filtered view. And I don't know, I feel like we find connection so much in the hardest times, not in the good things. That's so true. Right? Families come together over camping because camping is miserable. Like, it's (laughs) it's horrible. You're having to make your own bed and all your own food and, like, everyone's dirty and grumpy by the end. And it's the best memories I have with my family is we camp together. We're in it. We're in the battle. (laughs) Right? If you want to get closer with your family, go camping with them and suffer. Suffer as a family and you will grow closer. So anyway, so Facebook was really, I just shut my computer down. I'm like, I don't want to be on this. This is crap. Like it was making it worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in all of this, I, I had a really hard time. Like, so this whole period brought out like the worst of me. I also was hormonally off. (laughs) Like I was just in the low part of my cycle and I'm like cranky. I couldn't eat with anybody. I was alone. And then I had this brilliant idea of I don't want to be on like anti-anxiety and depression meds anymore. So I'm going to just stop. Like I self diagnosed Like I'm like, I'm over it. I shouldn't have to do this. That phrase came to my mind. And my poor husband, he's like very carefully approaching me, like trying to figure it, find the words. Are you sure this is the right time to try right. and do that? Like With you, everything else going Right, on. exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He was really afraid I was going to bite his head off. Like literally, I just, I was... I was crazy. Um, And so I went back on my meds. I finished out the radioactivity. And then we had to make some major life changes because Uh I realized during that time of isolation, like I felt like Jesus in the desert, right? He's in the desert for 40 days by himself. He's hungry. He's starving. He's tired. He's alone. Mm -hmm. And that's when Satan brings out the biggest temptations. Like that's when he felt most attacked, right? So this was my desert. Yeah. And I realized he had... Ben had been asking, how can I help you? What can I support you doing to make you feel better? And nothing was working. And it was through this I realized I need time to connect with people. Right. I need to be known. I need to be able to talk because I felt my most rejuvenated after one-on-one time with somebody, with a girlfriend of mine. Mm -hmm. I love my husband, but he is not enough at Mm -hmm. all for me to feel whole and complete. Mm -hmm. But I need those times to feel like me again, Mm -hmm. to be connected and reminded of... um, who God has created me to be, right? that he loves me. It's really interesting how God works for other people. He doesn't expect us to do this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up changing Bible talks so we could be with a group that met every week mm-hmm. consistently like clockwork. And that having that scheduled time to continually meet, to sort of force myself to go, Honestly, it's really hard sometimes just to get out and go someplace. Like it's this battle between I know that it's good for me. I know that I'm going to feel refreshed and rejuvenated and it's going to lead to great things. And it's really hard for me to want to (laughs) go at the same time. Right. Like it's a lot. It's not. It's a very interesting topic. Um, But having it's just what we do every Friday night. We go to Bible talk. That's just what we do. And that's hard for me to like counter argue. So it's really good for me to have those setups in my life. Right. And so we're trying to find ways that Thursday nights are mommy nights and I have to have time scheduled with women on those nights Mm -hmm. so that I can stay 
connected with who I need to be as a person. Right. Like it's so God wants to know us and he wants us to be known to others. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't expect perfection. He doesn't, the scripture is not about doing what's right. And that's what makes us walk in the light. He's got that covered. We right. are purified by Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's got that. His love is always there. And the thing that we have to own is to be able to be open about it. Right. To be seen. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's where we're at now is this time where we've got a great group. I'm setting up communities in things that I love where I can connect with people. And we're working on hospitality and having people over more. Um, and it's been so good. And even when I have to admit the hard things, when those things come up, I feel it's so crazy. You feel like you're honest about all the worst part of you and you feel even more loved. You feel mm-hmm. even more secure in that than when you're hiding. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always, we teach our kids, you know, if you, hurt, if you do something bad and you're honest about it, the punishment is way better than if you do something bad and you lie about it. Right. And I think that's true for us. It like totally God isn't necessarily punishing us like a little child, but our consequences are way worse <laughs> when we try and hide the truth about totally. the stuff we're struggling with sin or not. Like, I don't think that my, you know, my postpartum depression is sin, but I think if I don't talk about it, I just felt groaning. I felt crushed. Mm-hmm. I felt so separate and Satan just uses that. Totally. Yeah. So Definitely. that's, you know, it's, it's a hard lesson, but I, I continue to see ways that God has taught me that this is so, so important for us. Right. Like I know D times aren't what they used to be. We're not like in these environments where you have to confess your sin and then I'm going to rebuke you. Right. Now we have to sort of take the initiative to reach out for that. Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard. Like we're busy. I mean, as moms, like our kids schedule <laughs> will dominate right. our lives. Right. Um, but even Jesus, when he was in the garden, he had to ask for people, you know, come join me, come suffer with me, right. come be there while I pray. Like, they fell asleep. They weren't great friends, but that's mm-hmm. not what it was about. He just needed them with him, right? Mm-hmm. So even if my friends don't know what to say, I still need them with me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, definitely. And I think that's what's. I think that's the beauty of all of it. It's. It's not even really about. I, I think sometimes I wait for the perfect uh, person or opportunity or you know what I mean for all the stars <laughs> to align. <laughs> for me, and then I would always. I, I just think I'd get so hung up you know, like I'd get disappointed or people wouldn't respond the way I wanted them to. But I think, I think it's actually Brene Brown who defines it as vulnerability as, um, it's basically like intentional emotional exposure. Like, and I think we don't like to feel exposed, but there's something really, uh, amazing about it when we, it's really not even about the other people. And I've had to learn that it's more about me and God. And I think of in Galatians six, the passion version, It says, let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence. And their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. Yes. Isn't that killer? And I think it's what you're talking about because I've had to learn that the vulnerability that God calls me to, it, it isn't even about being affirmed by others. It's really about being transparent before God. Yeah. And it just, it just reminds me of this article, like I read it. It was talking about there's this, like, French museum, and they had, um, I don't know, over – it was, like, over 80 of their artwork that was on display were fake. Wow. And you they just found out they were counterfeit. And I think you think about the years and the dollars and the number of hours spent protecting these things that are fake <laughs> – 
And I think sometimes it's what I do if I'm not being oh like I'm protecting. Gosh. I'm like trying to protect something that's not even real. This yeah. illusion yeah. of whatever confidence, yes. perfection, whatever. I think we I spend so much time protecting something that's not even real. Yeah. And and then I I close myself off from God and from others. You know, when I'm not willing to go there. And I just yeah. think there's something really amazing about the empowerment that happens through vulnerability. Like. When somebody else is vulnerable with me, it it empowers me to do the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, I've been in groups where women don't readily want to talk about their feelings and talk about what's life. And I that's another conviction that hit me when I was early married that, well, I'm going to lead by example. Mm-hmm. I I know you guys aren't going to be real, so I am. I, I don't know any other way to do it. Like, just getting there's the hard part once I'm there I'm an open book I'm like ask me anything but but it can be intimidating I know a lot of people how do I get my friends to be more open with me well you need to be open with them start exactly exactly and if it's not about them then if they don't reciprocate it doesn't matter because it wasn't really about them anyways it was about us connecting with God and giving our hearts to them and loving them and not thinking about what they were giving us in return so I just think there's so much amazing stuff and and I just I think it's funny even like practically like when you were talking I was remembering so uh I have a one and a half year old as you know Mm -hmm. and it's funny how much our body like you were talking about our bodies just change so much in amazing (laughs) and also crazy ways but I a couple weeks ago I was I made myself a peanut butter sandwich and I was like standing while eating over the sink because that's what classy women do absolutely and I was like eating this I took a big drink of water to wash the peanut butter down and I it like went down the wrong pipe or something and I'm like sitting there I'm hacking and hacking like violently (laughs) and like aggressively like Mm -hmm. coughing this water up into the sink and it was funny because I think from the pressure of coughing I just peed my pants so I'm coughing in the sink (laughs) peeing my pants in the kitchen and my husband and my kid are watching me from the living room like talk about shame city like I'm just sitting there I'm like don't look at me like in my filth you know so I go and I throw my clothes in the washer I'm like all embarrassed and I'm like I'm not telling anybody about this and then sure enough like three hours later I like told some friends about it and they all laugh you know and then it's funny because everybody goes everybody goes around and shares their peeing their pants story absolutely and I think that's what happens (laughs) right we all have this stuff we just need permission to talk about it yes and I think there's just something that's so bonding in that you know and obviously that's like a funny one like embarrassing stories whatever but I think what you're talking about like really sharing your heart really sharing your your hurt your pain like I think that's the only way we can overcome it. Now, I do think there is this aspect of, like, sometimes we, like, we have put ourselves out there and it's, like, bit us. You know what I mean? Yeah. What would you say? I'm sure that's happened to you, too. What would you say to those people that feel like, hey, I did try that. I went there and it came back and it bit me. Like, and I'm scared, right? Yeah. What would you say? I mean, it's it's tough. I That happened a lot when I was younger. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I was in a really... um, traditional church where they had very strict definitions of what was okay and what was not okay Mm -hmm. and I would be honest about stuff and it would just get railed into me Mm -hmm. and you know led to crying every d time because I was trying to be honest about stuff that I was struggling with and made felt really horrible about it in a sense um but I think time helps and I think Mm -hmm. God heals and looking back I'm able to sort of separate out the negative experience from the character that it's built in me. Like, I feel like God can really make the most even out of those hard things. Like not saying that the hard things are needed to, well, I don't know. I mean, 
I seem to learn my best lessons through the worst times. Right. Like whether it's self-inflicted right. or I put myself out there only to get burned. It's, I don't know, like there is some, so much that God can work out of that. Mm-hmm. So for me, having done this for 20 years, like trying to be a disciple of Jesus in whatever miserable way I can, honestly, <laughs> I feel so nothing before him, which is exactly where we should be in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like God has shown me time and time again that we need to trust his word, mm-hmm. that walking in the light gives us fellowship right. and forgives us and it heals us. And he, you know, we get relief when we're open. And a lot of times the things that come back to bite us, it's not on us. Maybe it's their lesson to learn. Right. Right. Like right. we all are sinners. We're all falling short of the glory of mm-hmm. God. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, at that point it's, Honestly, also, I would find safer people to talk to. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I think there is something about that. Like, yeah, but not being afraid yeah. to, to try again. Yes. In, in a way to honor God. Yes. Um, and I do think, I think that's really helpful what you're talking about. And um, so what do you feel like are some practicals? Like, do you have any takeaways, some some things that you, you want us to, to practically apply this to our lives with? Yeah. I mean, I think you might be in any stage of struggling with being honest, honest, whether you're afraid of talking because you are afraid of getting in trouble or what it means for you or that you want to be honest that you're just really busy. So I think my first challenge is I think, think about something that you're really afraid to tell somebody. Just, we all have that. If you take a moment right now and think about, I really hope no one finds this out about me Hmm. and own that and go and find somebody that, knows you that loves you that you can trust and tell them Mm -hmm. like go talk about it just I just you know I'm still struggling with x y and z or whatever like there's a lot there and I mean even now I'm things are coming to mind I'm like I don't know that I want to share this on a podcast with a bunch of people but I think I need to go have some conversations after this so that's my first challenge is today go find somebody that knows you, that loves you, that you can trust and tell them the thing that you really don't want anyone to know about you. Mm-hmm. And then my second challenge is if you're not already set up on a recurring date with a close friend, make that a part of your schedule. Love it. That this is my Monday night. This is my Sunday after church. This is my, um, I know we used to do midweeks after midweek, but that's like monthly and it doesn't seem to be enough for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so possibly maybe like more every two weeks, every one week, right. but make it a thing that's built into your schedule where occasionally it has to get skipped. But for the most part, it's just what we do. Right. And find that time to continue to meet. It doesn't have to have structure. It doesn't have to have a lesson even. It's right. just, so how's your week going? And yeah. lead with that question. What's on your heart? Like, what right. are you working through right now? This is what I'm working through right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can get back to that, even as a society, even beyond the mm-hmm. church, we need those times to be open and honest and feel connected to realize we're not alone, mm-hmm. to really be able to do the best things that God has planned for us. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's very practical, and I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> um, and I think I want to be more aware, too, if I do feel like people are opening up to me or if I am mm-hmm. this person that they're trusting. Like I, I really think as women we have to take that responsibility very seriously yeah. and reciprocate and be that trusted yeah. resource that that brings grace and love and um spiritual guidance Mm -hmm. not judgment or silence or whatever you know (laughs) so um I'm I'm excited and I feel like this is actually a very encouraging message so thank you so much for being here 
and sharing vulnerably about this because I think that's really what what made it so awesome and I'm grateful that I got to hear and that our listeners got to hear uh we hope that everybody that did listen did feel really encouraged and inspired and um yeah our hope and prayers is that we can all apply what Claire's talking about do the practicals put in the work a little bit and see the way God will bless it so um we love everybody that's listening thanks for joining the podcast we'll catch you next time